success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible Podcast. But guess what? It is happening again. We have a He's Invincible joining us today. And I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Vinny. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Welcome. Oh, my gosh. So Vinny is an Emmy award-winning media advisor and talent development executive. So that's his story. But I want to tell you my yeah. story because yeah, he has quickly become a, a dear, dear friend and expert in so many of the places where I hang out. And so I have just come to admire him so many ways. But our first introduction was during a, yeah, a group presentation about podcasting on a different platform. And I saw him in that, you know, the Brady Bunch square. And I was like, I like that guy. Oh my gosh, look at that energy. And uh, when it was his, his turn to talk, he took me down. <laughs> I was like, I love that guy. And I sent you a message, right? Yeah. Do you remember? And I said, I need to know you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it all began. And so Vinny, welcome. Welcome today. So fun to have you here on the She's slash he's invincible podcast what an honor oh my gosh so thank let's... you for discovering me and for finding me in that moment and for picking me to share your energy and this energy with i feel like i love hearing that story um and I, obviously i was there and i too picked up on the energy immediately i think i may have even been a little performative when it came time for me to talk because i was like I'm, I'm trying to put some energy out there and see who's picking up you know what i'm what i'm trying to get out there i'm so happy that you you saw it and you jumped on the opportunity to connect. Uh, I, I, we'll talk about this. I mean, I come from a casting background in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I, I got to sort of walk around the streets of New York and L.A. and find some really awesome people. But that moment of discovering somebody, of finding someone that you know is the who that you've been looking for to help you figure out what's, what's next. And that's not saying that you found me and, saw, and said, oh, great, he's going to solve my problems. But it's just like now, now I feel like with him in my world, with him in my arsenal, him understanding what, what that person has done will somehow make my life easier. And I, I love, I love that because man, it was not, it was not all fun and games, but I'm, I'm glad we make it look that way. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> and you know, what's really funny what you just said, like, oh, he's going to help me solve my problems. Dude. I didn't even know I had problems until I met you. <laughs> I think it was, oh, no. he's going to help me discover my problems. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like yeah, I got yeah. to see I where that. I was falling short, you know, and you were, you know, bringing forth all of this that would lift me into a higher level. So I really feel like it was 
totally opposite and you really shine the light on like here's what you could be doing right like what you're doing is great but here this this could be even better and i can show you this way and i just love that about you Uh, and i see you do that every day with your connections right on social um and i love that so here we go we have Vinny potestivo and he's here to bring it and i'm so excited for you to share with our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today? And <laughs> what makes you invincible? Oh yeah, right. Well, 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 what 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 makes me invincible? I, I I think what makes me invincible is my vulnerability. The same thing that probably makes me invincible in the very first place, I think, has become. I'm, I've I have tremendously thin skin for somebody in the media industry. For by the way, we'll talk about how I got to where I got to. But for those who have no clue where I even am, um, I sit now um, in a position where I'm able to help um, business founders, celebrities, journalists, people, innate people who who are connected to their talent brands and creators who are connected to their talent brands. I'm, I'm, I'm I help them tap into what makes them unique. And we find fun ways to stand out in media. And that's specifically what I do. And in the late nineties, a lot of that looked like reality television or before reality TV. And a lot of it's, it comes through MTV and Bravo and A&E and NBC, but, but I'm, I'm terribly vulnerable and extremely um, sensitive uh, as a casting person. I was so attracted to the idea of the right time and right place and and being a fly on the wall when someone got discovered. And I knew that as a casting director, I would always be able to be somewhere close to when that moment happens because I would be in between, you know, the sort of the talent and the producer. And, and I loved serving. And there's so much in casting that has nothing to do with your performance that has to do with my interpretation of your performance. Um, we, we, you know, there's, there's sort of famous stories about castings that happen where we couldn't figure out who was going to get the job. So we go out and we ask the PA who checked everybody in, who was the kindest person, who was the funniest person, you know, when, when, who was the person that everybody asked questions to who helped people, you know, these are, these are things that I, I started asking even just in my casting journey and, and, and all of that perception and understanding of people's motives and energy. Like I started to understand how people perceived people. I know, I knew how growing up I was perceived. I also know how I perceived myself and that, that perception changed in, in 98. I did something called the landmark forum. Have you ever heard of, of the advanced, the landmark forum? It's a it's sort of, no, no, I'm getting ahead. Not no. All right. Perfect. It's, yeah, a, no. it's, it's an organized sort of a masterclass situation where you go in and you really do some deep personal work. And basically, have you done something similar? I haven't. But now, now that you're saying that, yes, I I've heard it be referred to as landmark, but not. Oh, yeah, the, landmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe they, they, got, they dropped the forum after it, <laughs> it sounded a little culty and it, it kind of can be, to be honest, but any, anything that offers that much structure, and, and it's so hard to put structure to change. It's so hard to put structure to change so that everyone unifiably can be able to experience it the same way. So that's unfortunately where the, for me, where the culty piece came in. But I learned that my story, I was telling the worst version of my story. I was the villain in my own story. And here I am thinking, you know, I was the, the hero. And, and it was in October of 98 that I had this conversation, this, this, this experience. And I went back to school, um, my senior year in college 
And I said, well, if, if I want to be a casting director and they say I need to be a casting director to be, I have to think in the future, then I'm just going to say I'm a casting director. But I felt like that was lying. So I took out an ad on backstage.com and I said, I'm looking to grow my casting. You know, I'm a casting director looking to grow my, my, Rol my Rolodex full of, of, of actors and people looking for commercial op op opportunities. Please send me in your, your headshots and resumes and and I had about like 500, I had a little traumatic, I say 500, but it felt like, you know, Miracle on 34th Street moment when they dropped the USPS Santa Claus letters, <laughs> like in front of you. It felt like this magical moment where I was like, wait, this many people saw my ad? And this is like announced, so social media doesn't exist. Most of cable TV doesn't exist at this point. So I want to point out, this is 1998. This is like Fox News is just launching. Fox is about maybe five years old, I think. Like the, the Simpsons are the biggest cartoon on television. Um, and I wanted to work on Fox News. I wanted to work on a show called Hannity and Combs, uh, a bipartisan show that, that explained, you know, he, they said, they said both sides of the aisle. And, and I took that opportunity when, when, I, when I had received those headshots at school, I took that opportunity to create a database because that's, that's kind of like was my default language technology. I, I, I loved creating in technology. Um, I don't know why, but I think, I think some of it has to do with the fact that I, I'm the oldest in, in my family. So like I didn't, I had toys, but they were shared toys. Com computer was mine. <laughs> it wasn't like a shared joystick on my computer that while I'm programming. And I think I love the idea of, of early on in, in, in my developmental years, so like in the late mid, early 90s, mid 90s, where I really became fascinated with data management, where I really became fascinated with like, how files were emailed, how files were shared, um, the digitization of content and, and 94 to 99, sort of like my, my informative years of media. If, if it weren't for those hard skills that I developed in those four to five years, I probably wouldn't have been as invincible as I ended up, I think, being for the, for the first 10 years of my career at MTV. I, I had some real skills, some real tangible, hard, hard skills that um, because of technology didn't shake. I, I, I was able to wire two VCRs together to be able to edit in my office without needing to go to an edit suite. And when, when the executives at MTV heard that I could do that, I quickly was the casting associate who was going around outfitting people's VCRs. I, you know, I had this like tech piece to me yeah. always. And, but it, I, I bring it back to the database and the tech stuff because it was my understanding of, 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 of like what to look for or how, how to connect with people and then how to manage them. And those, those conversations at scale that led me to work at Fox news to, to work on Hannity and Combs, um, which ultimately led to my job, my first job at MTV, which was um, uh, Choose or Lose, where I got to cast the face of MTV News um, in, in the 2000 elections. And, and, and I, luckily, we, I lucked out. <laughs> we, we got some good stars, Gideon Yego, who's the uh, executive producer of New and creator of Newsroom in Mosquito Coast. Now, but I found him uh, in like the first week of casting and it, just, it kind of just worked out. And then I stayed and then MTV wanted to create a talent development department. And I was kind of equipped, you know, I had the infrastructure to um, create one sheets and decks and, and, and I was the person who took my boss's Rolodex and showed him why we should be putting the, into our contacts and importing them. So 
Um, there's a, even then it was like at work, I'm constantly, you know, morphing information, being able to make it easier to share, easier to share, whittling it down. So it's more shareable and more shareable. And I think that I worked at MTV for, I would say three years before, or two, yeah, two, two to three years before reality TV, before the Osbournes, newlyweds, you know, um, yeah. uh, punked trifecta hit, which came out of our department. My boss, Rod Asa created that and. And I got to be in the room for all that reality stuff, which we'll talk about. But like, but there was in the first three years, I was putting Beyonce in her first film, Mandy Moore in her first film, um, Andre 3000 and his first, like, I got to work with like some really cool artists and, um, uh, and listen. And then I was in a unique position to listen. You know, I wasn't in the music department where I, I had a, to work with the, the music labels. I wasn't in the talent department where I had to work with talent reps. I was in this talent development department, which was like hiring VJs and also looking for like long form opportunities to work with talent. So I would like mosey down. We had a show called TRL back in the day and I would mosey down to TRL around three 30 and I'd see who's in the green room and I'd strike up a convo and I would just kind of drop in the room and let them know, you know, we're looking for long form opportunities. If anyone's ever got wants to, tell their story on MTV in a way other than just coming on and promoting an album or uh, a song or a video or like that. There were, there were other ways to do it. At first it looked like hosting, a lot of hosting. Um, so I got to work with a lot of talent and in, in their opportunity at, at, in the first forays at hosting, which was neat. And then, and then came the reality wave, the, this wave of, it's the simplest thing to be honest that we could do as storytellers, which was like make, make conscious decisions and then show them to people. And that changes reality. What MTV did right was we created space for storytelling. What talent did right was took that space and took that narrative to like, we, like maybe in the early nineties, I would say MTV kind of was like pointing the cameras at the audience. Like we were seeing the audience for the first time. So like, I felt kind of represented a little bit on MTV because I, I sort of saw people in my likeness, but I didn't relate to the way that they were talking about sex on Loveline. I mean, there was still, because of my sexuality and my background, there was still uh, an us and a them in my understanding, you know, of, of MTV, which played a big role in what I did the next mm. 10 years at MTV. But I just loved, I love that idea that it all stems back from, and I bring this to Landmark, to, to that story that story we tell about ourselves and the power that we have. And then if, if we make these stories up and we live in them and no one sees them, then our realities don't get changed because the perception of our life, like for example, okay, let me say it this way. I should say life is what we participate in. Re reality is sort of the perception, I think, of our life. Like your reality of what my life is, is your perception of, of what you think my reality is. And, and social media allows everybody to participate in the forming of that public opinion of yourself versus like what I used to have to do on TV 20, 30 years ago, where only certain people got to participate and only certain people got to, you know, have their stories told and or ensembles yeah. of women and things like that. And, and, and I'm just so passionate now about what's happening in media because I, I qualify to, I qualify and every, there's millions more people who qualify to get to work with me than 15, 10, 20 years ago when, when not everyone in this world was capable of being a creator the way that they are now.
I love this. I love what you said too. I wrote a few things down, Tell but the me, one thing you said was when you couldn't figure out who was going to get the part, right? That yeah. you would go and ask the people who checked them in, yeah. you know, who was kind, who was asking questions, who was the helper. Vinny, you became that person. Yeah. Like, right. Do you, do you see yeah. that? How like that was so great for you to actually be a part of that because that is actually what you became. And yeah. like, now you're oh, out there doing that. the same thing with other people but now like you said more people it's not just 10 or 15 or 20 like everybody has this opportunity the other thing you said which was like this light bulb moment was how you would drop in the room because I see you do that now on social media right like it's just like walking down the hallway and dropping in a room and having a conversation I see you do it on LinkedIn I oh, see you funny. do it on Instagram you, you are dropping into the room and creating these conversations and these people are you know coming to you and I love 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 the discoverability and I oh, think yeah. that's part of it right is you use that word and uh, we're going to dive into that but I just love everything you said and vulnerability a hundred percent uh when it comes to being invincible right like you can't hide you have to come forward and you have yeah. to be vulnerable and you know whatever it is this is where we learn and grow By the way, and I'm like you can't hurt me I'm already hurt so like <laughs> isn't go. that the truth I know. <laughs> I, you know what? That is such a good point. And I hope our listeners just heard that. I, it's like, say it louder for the people yeah, right? in the back of the room, right? <laughs> yeah, you say, there's, there's real power in that. Like, you cannot hurt me. I, I've already suffered. I've already been through this. I've already gone through, hopefully, I've already gone through worse, to be really honest. Hopefully, I've gone through much worse than whatever it is that people are. Yeah, but that's, that's, uh, that, and I, I think that knowing that, knowing what I've gone through and, and how I've been able to turn my story and, um, and, uh, 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 and, and I don't think, I don't think that I ever thought that I'd get to, uh, the, get to work on the types of projects. I, I wanted to work in media. Um, I didn't quite know exactly what, but I don't think as a young, you know, 20 year old, 19 year old, 15 year old, I thought I'd get to work with the caliber of talent, um, that I've gotten to work with. Um, why do you think that is? Tell me, tell me a little bit about that, that, you know, oh, yeah. all the some way of back nineties cable, to be honest, <laughs> some of it's that like, let's be honest. Like I didn't see myself uh, I grew up, you know, if so if we're talking about 90s cable, it's Jerry Springer and Ricky Lake and a lot, like a lot of late night talk shows. And I would stay up and watch Howard Stern, but I would cry because he was I felt like he was always so mean to women. And I would, I would literally cry and I, I would always wake my mom up. I'd be like, who watches? I know we're from <laughs> this is me. I know I'm from Staten Island and I know we're from New York and I know there's other people apparently outside of this like small city where but who watches this <laughs> crap? I will call like it just felt so not like so so me, but I I was glued. I was glued to it, you know. Uh it was a process, it was a radio show, it was something that I didn't want to be a part of. So it allowed I, I would never want to work. It's unfortunate, but I would never want to work on that show. But I also was so ad admirable of everyone who was part of it. Um, and lo and behold, when I did the Landmark Forum um, in October of 98, Robin Quivers from uh, Howard, his, his co-host, also took the forum to class that weekend. And 
she's kind of the first person that I ever knew that I kind of like watched on TV that I got to have like, I had her, it was like, she used to page me. It was those, beep me. It's the coolest thing. And I'll call you back. <laughs> oh and my like gosh. And I, and I just remember, and I reached, and, and, and so that, that was a really cool, that was a really cool moment for me just to bring like my, uh, what I was, what I was understanding was happening in television into like this new version of what I was about to set forth and do. And, um, I think the culture changed, you know, I got to MTV four years after your MTV raps, MTV was no longer pointing the camera at the audience. MTV was kind of giving the camera to the audience to point it to the celebrities. What I did at MTV or what we did at MTV was give the, give a, give a camera, give the cameras to the celebrities and let, let them point it on themselves. Osborne's newlyweds punk, you know, all those shows, like, let them, let them tell their story. They're better storytellers than, than us, to be honest. Like let them, you think we would have come up with chicken tuna of the sea? There's no brilliant <laughs> mastermind who could have come up with that, you know, yeah. other than Jessica Simpson herself, by the there way. You go. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that that, I think it's silly to say, but like definitively that, that moment was probably a billion, the the thing that launched the billion dollar brand which was she's just like us you're right you're finally right she's just like us we all have that moment we just usually try to edit it out we usually don't try to show it and at a point where artists were over edited especially those four or five young women who were like the pop sensations of their time who were extremely over edited and overproduced most of them in the press and in the media I'm not saying it personally or in life. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, and that was the image that they felt like, you know, that they had to portray. And I say that, uh, uh, having worked very closely with Mandy Moore, who, um, whose team strived not to have that layer of inauthentic, inauthenticity around her. And, um, I think it's kind of neat that, uh, it's unfortunate what's happened to Brittany and, and like everything mm -hmm. she's going through. Uh, um, and Christina Aguilera, just in my opinion, wasn't very nice. So I'll just, I'll just put it, I'll just put it <laughs> out there like that. I'll just say it that way. But I love that Jessica Simpson, Ashley Simpson, even, and, uh, and Mandy Moore are, uh, are pretty relevant and, and powerful and are in their power. And I think there's that layer of invincibility to them because they're already hurt. You can't hurt them. Yeah. They've already been through. They've already been ridiculed by the press as teenagers. <laughs> yeah. People to, like, what else could you possibly do to me that like, what's worse than that? You know, unfortunately yeah. there, there are, there are things and I know there are, I'm not making light of the things that aren't worse than that. Of course. Um, but yeah. You know, those, those aside. Wow. And it's so funny what you said that you woke your mom up and said, who watches this? Meanwhile, you're yeah. all upset because you're watching it. Yeah, I'm watching it. <laughs> People like you, Vinny, that's yeah, who is watching it. Like, who could possibly be watching this? Like, who's... <laughs> oh my that's gosh. True. Isn't that funny? That. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that is really, I never even thought about that. Um, <laughs> that there, there it was. And, the, and the, I'll, I'll say this. In my defense, it was the 90s and the internet wasn't really a big thing. So if you yeah. kind of wanted to see like boobs and stuff, like you go to Howard Stern show and like <laughs> somewhere like something, you know, there was something they were going to talk about adult-esque that was going to, you know, perk my ears that I 
didn't have access to on Loveline on Z100 or something like that. So, that just try, so I'm funny. just a guy trying to get some answers. Look, there were not a lot of answers growing up. I'll tell you that now. Google. I wish I had Google growing up. I made some some poorly informed decisions, and we don't have to go. We'll go into this. We'll take a break. I'll tell you this <laughs> off podcasting, and I'll, I have a funny story. It's not appropriate for podcasting yet. <laughs> okay, um, but I can't yeah. wait to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. for the record. <laughs> yeah, just, just based on the information that's out there. But you know, yes, I, it's I scary. I, I just I, I was a creative person as a kid. I, I I always found myself creatively finding ways to express myself because I didn't. I don't want to say I didn't feel like words weren't enough, and and unfortunately, I wasn't given the music gene to be. I can't. You know, my hands only do one thing at a time. They don't, I can't play the piano, and um, so I wasn't given the opportunity to express myself in a lot of ways other than through technology. And, and, and then when I got to MTV, I felt like I was in a situation where I'd figured out, I'd figured out that we can change a lot. We can change careers, record it, put it on air and then change lives and change conversations and, and change communities and, and move the needle on conversations and, 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 and important parts of, of humanity, to be honest, that were um, initially not relevant to me because I didn't think we were capable of making an impact. Like I didn't think that hiring certain people, like a, Mandy Moore's who would go on to fight for my right to get to marry who I want to marry, to have a family that like these people that I was casting at MTV for these shows that kind of, I say it like that as if it's so flippant and it's like, it's just cable TV, but these were the people who show up in my life and fight for my rights to get to be the best version of myself that I get to be. And if I get to get to make them the best version that they, like, this is a, are you kidding me? This is like, what a cool, <laughs> yes. what a cool sort of way to go about life. And, 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 and I'm not, and by the way, because I have this like PO and, and, and POV into, into like uh, this like creator world, I never get, I, I love giving people my ideas. There's a lot of people who think their ideas are so valuable and I've got a TV show idea and I've got a podcast idea and everyone, every, everyone has ideas. I'll say it this way. There's not a, every single person has ideas. Most people won't share them. So I'm going to point that out. So the people who do share them just are great idea sharers. It doesn't make you a producer just because you're sharing your, or a TV show creator, or it's, it's the action. It's the inspired action. It's the, it's the calculated action that it takes to take that idea and turn it into something tangible media wise or in a conversation or uh, some type of brand part. It, it takes, it's the energy that it takes to, it's the execution piece that sort of really matters most. So. Oh my gosh, you just set the pay, you just set the stage for this because yeah. we're moving right into this building a sustainable talent brand, uh pre-purpose oh, yeah. over repurpose, uh Ooh, leveraging your words. Yes, leveraging your audience and your contacts to build community. So you yeah. just set that up so beautifully. Let's slide right into that and cool. let's let's start that conversation. Off, pre pre-purpose versus repurpose. To me, a pre pre-purpose comes from a place of understanding there's going to be a need in the future for you to take some content that you're creating and find a way to connect it to a social media platform or, or maybe a, a digital platform other than podcasting. This idea that we can create great content and repurpose it and try to find a clip, try to find the magic, maybe do some editing where we have to try to take something that exists that wasn't intended to be what it is and turn its intention, repurpose its intention into something for social media 
is a methodology that a lot of people have adopted. I think mostly because of the fact that the technology comes and creativity comes from the the tools and the platforms. Yes. But in television, I I know that in re, for example in, a, in an unscripted reality show, um, first off, I, I don't want to take this for granted that people know what that even means. But like, if I'm shooting a show and I'm out in the field and I'm looking at scene work and I'm figuring out who's doing what and where things are going, I'm also write. I have to write notes to the network and to the producers every single day about, about how this feeds into storyline A and this feeds into storyline B and this feeds into storyline C. And I'm also telling them where I think the 15 second, 30 second TV spots are because without great promotion, yeah, I don't even have to, but, and I also want to point out how many movies can we talk about that we've never seen, but we've just seen the trailer enough times that we yes. think, you know, you know, a lot of people will see that. And so those trailers Especially if a video, if, if a movie is going to turn out with a video and people will hear, here's where the, you, you, the aha moments will come in. So when a, when a movie has a, a video game come out afterwards, there's oftentimes an action packed scene where the dinosaurs are flying through the rocks that are falling. And sure enough, that is what inspires the video game, but it's not. The game is what inspired that scene. They put that scene in the movie. They created the structure for the need of that story because they had the need of that product. And that's the idea of pre-purposing. I was just going to say that is so perfect. Like I even understood that. Oh, cool. Like, yes. I love that. Yes. So here's the thought, like we're on social media. We make podcasting. Podcasting is not social media. Podcasting is a narrow cast. It, it goes out to one you know, specific thing. So how can I, knowing that I want to be putting something on social media, how can I create maybe a one minute segment or two minute segment in my podcast that I'd be able to clip and pull out knowing from start to finish that that's going to be the promo item. So maybe it's like a, a, a one minute, I thought I was invincible, but, and these like sort of like fun, fast paced, fast paced. I'm not saying turn the entire show into, you know, um, a segment driven show that would remove the magic of podcasting and and the ability to connect, you know, long-term, which is something really cool that, that most creators haven't been able to do yet, which is create long-term content. Most, most of us have, have worked on short form content because of social media. Yeah. Podcasting, as you know. Mm -hmm. It's a a different beast, a different narrative for that purpose. Um, And I think that understanding that you have these needs in the future helps you predict the future and also understand how you can be in the future. So you know how you can create something today to show up, you know, especially if you know how it's going to be used and distributed. And to me, understanding and, and predicting the future, understanding like what's next to come, that's part of sustainability is knowing what your, your next need is and, and what you're doing today to feed into that. Because it, it, sustainability for me isn't about an ongoing process where, I don't know, uh, where in the energy put, that puts into it is the energy that's put out. There are a lot of different sort of uh, explanations for what a, a sustainable talent brand is. For me, I would say a sustainable talent brand is Ashton Kutcher, Mandy Moore, uh, Beyonce, uh, actors, performers, um, uh, people who have set themselves up early, Jennifer Lopez, who have set themselves up early in their career for multiple forms of success in, in succession, but not necessarily linear. 
And that's fun now that the experience for talent brands isn't so linear. It's not, there's a, there's a show, there's a, there's a tour. I have to buy a ticket. That's how the artist gets paid. There's now the music that's on all the platforms. There's the merch that's on, on all the affiliate, play, on all the affiliate play, all the sponsorships. There's so many other touch points that are now coming into play. And, 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 and the, the more you're able to balance out those touch points and still keep moving forward and still and keep leading with your original thoughts, because when, when you're not, that's unfortunately for MTV. That's like when you get into like 2010 MTV, when you're like, uh, well, they, they used to be ahead and now they're kind of like just serving it up and they're serving it good. But once you start serving and stop leading the conversation, you have to, in my opinion, and this is strictly my opinion, you have to wait until the next piece of technology or next surface in technology comes up to be able to get ahead. I think it's really difficult to get ahead with, with, with current technology as is, but I think the opportunity for people to get ahead in, in this technology game, whether I'm, let's talk about Instagram, for example. So how to get ahead on Instagram. If you're starting out today, I wouldn't I wouldn't start off by trying to get you to a base place where everybody else is and go backwards to, to move forward. Well, I guess reels bonus plays, you need 10,000 um, subscribers. So that that's a bad idea. Um, I, I know. Excuse me, I just got excited. My, my, here's some free tricks on Instagram that I love doing that people, um, uh, close friends, if I follow you, if I follow you on Instagram, you are in my close friends. I can promise you because I went and clicked the button to make sure you're there. I don't post every single day on Instagram, but when I do post on Instagram, I want the people who, who I follow, who I find valuable, um, and, and most of them who follow me also to see my content. So by, by making them close friends, it puts that little green circle on the top of their content on stories and it slides me all the way to the top left, possibly, you know, it gives me just a little bit of an opportunity to stand out. Um, also in my DMS, it's a weird thing that they call it flag. Like you can flag DMS. It's weird because flagging in most platforms is like bad, you know, like mm -hmm, if you flag right. an account, they're going to get in trouble, but I love putting the flags on in my DMS on profiles who I have some type of work relationship with, like whether whether it's a financial relationship or just uh, an emotionally creative relationship, I still like, because to me, there's whether you're paying me or we're friends, there's still deliverables, whether they're tangible or emotional. And I like when I see that flag pop up, knowing that someone's reaching out to me who I have a back and forth relationship with that. And there's reciprocity and I enjoy creating content or opportunities for this person and it helps me sort of sort through my DMs quicker if I only have a couple of minutes to go through. And, and those are two strategies that people don't talk about, I don't think, a whole lot because it's not necessarily about like how do you grow your audience. But I promise you, if you can organize conversations like that, that's how you grow your audience because you're, you're a more effective communicator. You're able to take your fans who are your top fans and turn them into your biggest fans who turn them into your super fans. That's sustainable talent strategy building, as opposed to try to get 500 people in a room, which you might think is the goal. But to be honest, it's really hard to talk to 500 people. It's easier to talk to three people who talk to 150 people each and then make, what's that, 450? And then make That's me talk brilliant. to them. And I'm bad with the math. You know, the math, you did the, it. the math balances out after a while. <laughs> oh, that 
That's awesome. That is so great. So let me ask you this, since we're talking about Instagram, what would you yeah. say to listeners right now that are maybe just uh, trying to grow intentionally trying to grow their followers? What, you know, is that your best idea right there is get flag those top people. And just like what you said, just there, like those three people that have 150 yeah. followers, well, I, I guess those, those two strategies are based on people already coming in to the funnel, it feels like. So that's that's a little bit to me more like maybe some management. Like that might be like, how, how do I how do I manage it? Well, how do I manage inbound DMs when they all come in? You know, how do I so that 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 might be some structure there, but that but that structure is important. And how, I, I would actually start there first, knowing how you're going to interact and engage in success of your post before trying to figure out how to get people through the door to be really honest. Cause if, if, if you're having, if you're struggling getting people through the door, here's my MO in saying this, if you're struggling and getting people through the door, maybe the best way to look at it is through the lens of how you want to be servicing them and helping them. Maybe the value is hidden someplace in that, that part of the relationship. So if you don't quite know how to get people in the door, maybe you focus on like, what would you want to do with them after they get here? And that might inform what that top of, you know, sort of funnel looks like for me, um, because I got my start in casting and I, I really, truly, you know, um, here, here's my ego thing is uh, my ego tells me that I need to show up every room that I show up to. I need to have opportunity. I felt like people see me and they see opportunity. They know that I know 20 ways right now on social media to apply for free money for marketing from, from social platforms. They know that I know what brands are looking for. I know what the, the, the most television networks are looking for. I get the mandates. I read mandates. So like networks literally tell us what they're looking for. And I'm able to understand what those programming needs are. Um, and there's a little bit of my ego that like, make sure I always show up with, um, with that opportunity piece. I don't know if it's good or bad. And yeah, it is what it is. So I'm happy I got it. Um, uh, uh, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I made it good. And I'll say it that way. Or I made it great. You know, this idea of like, even on LinkedIn, I felt like, uh, I, I can hop on and I can get people to comment and like, and talk about a conversation. It just didn't feel enough for me. So I, I kind of went and signed up for a bunch of jobs that I would love to have applied for if I didn't own my own company. Cause then I could be like peaked at like what I'm missing. But also yeah. I want to know those people who are getting like my dream jobs, my second dream job, since I've already got my first dream job. I want to know my other dream, you know, my daydream job. Because right. <laughs> it's out there and those people and I want to know who those people are because I want to be I want to be working with them. And if I can help, if I can help find the next head of partnerships at these platforms and that's um head of partnerships team seems to be a position that i'm pretty i've been pretty good at helping people find and connect so like that's neat to think that like i'm in this space because of cable or because of the programming i've been a part of where i'm finally in a space where where i know there's brand money that's not going to networks or to platforms that could potentially be going to podcasters and what that makes me do, or what made what it made me do, is create something called uh, the Verified Podcast Exchange. The v, my, my company is VPE. Uh, this is called VPEX, and the Verified Podcast Exchange is simply a place for podcasters and brands to meet and partner, the same way that influencers and brands meet over marketing platforms. I just felt like no one's educating 
Okay, let me say it this way. I felt like no one's educating brands on the on the value of pot, of a podcast audience, like 200 downloads on my episode versus that person's 90,000 likes they got on TikTok 10 years ago or two years ago that you know seems to have a, a flash in the moment. But who's going to teach the brands that? It's not the influencers. Yeah. Influencers aren't trying to tell them how great and powerful as podcasters are. And podcasters, for some reason, we don't like to be called creators or influencers. So we don't like to be in that, in that situation. And I'll tell you what, the influencers figured out a way to take the social media KPIs, those, those metrics of success and turn those into KPIs for marketing and for advertising. And that's why brands are able to, to donate and not donate, but write checks the way that they're writing checks for, for influencers. And and I think that that's soon going to be a podcaster's game like that, that when, when you really realize the deep connection podcasters have with our audience, um, uh, the way that we have the ability to move the needle versus maybe inspire action, but like we allow them to actually take action and, and we can follow and we follow through. Um, I, I love that part. And I think that's what's brought me to where I'm at is that uh, I felt like television media was fun for 20 years and that was the way to do it. You had to pitch to the networks to get it on, on air. And if it didn't get on air, no one saw it. And that's not the case anymore. And I firmly believe that small and medium sized business owners have the ability to change the world. We, how, how we create our services, how we create our products, how, how we hire people who support those services and products, um, who we provide those services and products to. I think that we, we, the people have a lot of power, um, and and by the way and 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 we own it <laughs> like in tv you don't get to own your tv show when you sell it to a network they they own it but here you own your ip if it's a podcast and and podcasts are being turned every i mean i've, I've been turning since 2006 i've been converting podcasts into tv shows so like there are tv shows and books and literary speaking tours and um NFTs or whatever else the weird future of what we're, we're grasping at right now. I mean, we're just, man, we're funny NFTs and crypto. We, we just love owning stuff, man. We just <laughs> we're, yeah. It's for sale. We'll buy it. We don't own earth. Yeah. We have like all these things that we're selling that we have no right. By the way, we're selling words that like were taught to us from our parents that were taught to us from our people we went to church with. And like, so these are, it's like, it's a funny trademarking and copy it's it's a funny world we're getting into where where people feel so um protective over their ideas and and their words and I, I, what i think i wanted to say here was was that i think i think we're past that i think we're i think we're past words representing you we're even past your voice representing you when when you should be representing you and and i think that what's happening now in digital media you have the opportunity as a business owner, as a person, as a founder, as a brand, as a not brand, you have the opportunity to participate in how the public sees you, perceives you, the reality of you. You have the opportunity to create, to participate in that now. And if you choose not to participate in that, somebody else will. And I'm not saying this as a threat because it's, it's inadvertent. You, but you, somebody else will end up telling your story. And, and you might not be the lead of their story because it's not your story. You might be someone in the background. And by the way, that's like... I, I would say it this way, actually. Let, let me rephrase what I'm, where I'm going at. If, if hopping in front of a mic or being a storyteller is something that's daunting to you, if that's something that you don't know if this is for you or not, then I, I would phrase the question, instead of trying to be like the best podcaster or storyteller, what if you just told stories that needed to be told? 
Like, don't worry about, I, I try to tell myself that. Don't worry about what you look like and how it sounds. That's why I, on my podcast, I don't have people that I don't know. On my podcast, I only have people that I have known for 20, 10, you know, for years and years. I want my podcast to be about how, I want people to watch my podcast called I Have a Podcast. And I want them to try to understand or begin to understand how I got to make some of the decisions I got to make. And then, and then the people that I worked with, how they made decisions um, that impacted my career and my job. And then certainly our, our pop culture. Um, and we have an opportunity there, and, and there's no one too big or too small. There used to be a time where, where, some, you know, am I too small? I don't, am I, am I not, I don't have an, am I big enough? Am I big enough to be, mm. uh, you know, what's so funny about that question? You know, how many times I get asked by celebrities, am I too big to be on a podcast? <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> you all, you all need to hear each other asking these questions. Mama bear, mama bear, me, baby bear, baby bear, <laughs> me, daddy bear. Like the level of like, is am I too this? I mean, who, yes. We're to everything. So let's bring it back, maybe cross off a couple of things, cross off a couple of things that we might not want to dip into so we know where to go and, and come up with a strategy. And that makes us shine. That makes us resilient. That allows us to inspire people and inspire the process. That allows us to make impact and impact lives. That, that ignites conversation and community. And, and I love, I love, I love, I'm so passionate about helping people get to do that in their, in their worlds and their lives. Cause I can't do that. I, I, I don't have the power or ability to do what you can do with your world, but I can help you be a slightly stronger communicator, maybe a little bit more resilient at being, dis at being discovered um, or, or easier to be shared, you know, so that more people can, can discover you or, or find you, you know, I guess those are kind of the same thing, but. You are the master of discoverability. I love it. <laughs> you you do it yourself. You teach other people how to do it. Like it, you're so point on with that. I have a question about all these platforms because yeah. you talked a lot about, you know, the podcasting and then the social media. What have you found to be the best um, platform for you for attracting your target audience? Oh, yeah. I, I think... Uh, without a doubt, LinkedIn has been my, for sure. LinkedIn is my homeboy. That's like, we good. We real good. <laughs> now, and how long have you been really active on LinkedIn? Is this oh, new or you've been forever? I, I've been pretty active. I've been, I, I would say this. I've been, I've always used it as a way to, as a passive call to action to retain connections. So I'm, I've been on you know LinkedIn for over 20 years now and have, as I've met people, whether I was casting Housewives or Matchmaker or Osborne, whatever the weird, show, whatever shows I was casting, um, was always happy to connect on LinkedIn. To me, it was always about serving a greater goal. And I know that if people are tied to their businesses and their businesses are the ones that are helping them achieve their goals, like those are great people for me. The, the, the people who are just you know in it for the ego, and I got them on, on Instagram and I got, and I got you on like MySpace. you know, I'm old and Twitter and stuff like that. I got you on there. But for me, uh, there's something magical about what's happening on LinkedIn, especially as a creator. And like a lot of my contacts weren't traditional executives or, um, or employees or employers. So, so they're, their appearance in LinkedIn is really exotic and unique. And like when a journalist is on LinkedIn 
versus a copywriter. It means that it, it really does send a very, and I'm not, there's good, there's pros and cons about both, but sure. just for those pure creative jobs, we really, really stand out nicely on LinkedIn and um, a, a place that's extremely competitive. I've, I've never felt that it was extremely competitive towards me as competitive as IMDb feels to me. Now IMDb feels like that's like my competition. I need to make sure I rack up all my credits and make sure everyone I ever worked with is connected with me. Cause you never know where the opportunity is going to come from and, sure. um, and, and those things, but I, I love LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn is, is playing. I shouldn't even say playing, but it's like investing in new tools that are making, making an old platform new again without needing to change the audience. So what I love doing on LinkedIn is um, showing up in front of my colleagues that I got to work with for 15, 20 years and showing them what's, what I'm doing in podcasting and how I'm able to change the podcasting landscape so that I'm creating more stars that are converting into TV shows, but also how I'm able to take TV producers and people who traditionally didn't identify as being creative and help them take the leap the same way, as you know, that I kind of forced myself to do, which I thought, <laughs> I thought I was like trying to be nice. So I thought like by not being on camera or not being in front of the microphone, I thought it was like, Vin, be nice. Don't try to make it about you and don't. And, and I try, and I try not to make it about me, by the way, I have to, I have to work on it because um, I want, there's a people pleaser piece to me. You know, that's where, that's like, I, that's why I say the weird thing to say, but like, I want everyone to like, there's a people pleaser piece to me, but I'm also, I also work on that. And I know that not everyone, not everyone is going to. So I just got to make sure that I come up and I'm like the best version of myself so that when all is said and done, I'm happy with the version of, of myself that was out there. And, and podcasting is funny because, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of like growing up in the nineties where, where if you had different groups of friends, you had almost like different t-shirts for them and different <laughs> personality type, you know, it wasn't like on social media where we just are one type of person and have lots of different types of posts. Like I felt like I was like, see you later skater boy with this group of peers and i was like cheerleader vinnie with this group of people and i was theater kid well i think theater kid and cheerleader vinnie might be a little similar <laughs> i'm gonna go out on a whim on that one um but that was my way of getting you know to showcase my um my sexuality and that was my way of incorporating my sexuality and some some of the chosen lifestyle choices that i, I publicly kind of had to make uh in the, in the 90s just based on what some of the rules were back then um, and, and, and kind of like allowed that to, to, to infiltrate what I was working on without it, without it becoming about me. Like I, I wasn't necessarily known as like an LGBTQ plus producer, but I certainly didn't shy away from it. And I did bring a lot to the conversation and I, um, uh, and, and, and ultimately it was MTV. It was MTV that got me comfortable enough to the point where I, I went to my first pride parade even. Uh, I think it was like in 05. I logo when logo came out uh, the the cable network originally we we worked on the the initial launch of logo our our talent department and which is cool because um, Brian Graydon is an an out gay man um, at at MTV Networks who was the president of programming. My boss Rod Asa is an out gay man, um, head of talent development, and I I feel like I found so much power in knowing that I could be out and proud and and unapologetic about it without 
without it dis- distracting from like the values and the goals and, and like what I was doing um, and the nuance. It's, 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 it's all in the nuance, by the way. Um, and there are lots of shows that came and hit my desk that had casting, you know, casting descriptions or character descriptions that I challenged. And I realized that I was in a position to change things, not just a position of change, but to change. Like I could say, we shouldn't describe the character this way. Let's describe the character this way. Or if that's what you want in the scene work, then you should ask for what you're looking for, as opposed to needing someone's sexuality to hopefully get you to a certain place like that. Like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't keen on, on using sexuality as like a, as a differentiator. And, and in some ways I think that's, I did a disservice. I think in some ways I would say I didn't see sexuality sometimes where, where I'm not saying that's like a, I, I didn't, I didn't spotlight sexuality. I'm saying on certain characters. Um, but usually that has a lot to do with their, their preference, to be honest. Um, the late nineties, early two thousands. I, I hate saying this because it's not fun, but at MTV it was, uh, you could still be fired for there were still laws that were in place for for that. So and even though it was MTV and the coolest, you would think it's so cool, but like yeah, right. Yeah. Got to make those decisions. And that, that's what, even even more so where some of those sustainable talent brands come from is in the in the audition, knowing what people's goals are knowing knowing that mandy more wanted to entertain and bring people together and and her goal as a performer was to unify audiences and to have have intergenerational you know like, like she wanted her mom and her dad and her brothers to watch her perform like that was that was very much the essence of of what she, why she loved performing and i actually got to see her perform she's now on tour and i got to see her perform here in new york just recently and and she, cry i'm like she's on stage with her husband she's six months pregnant like and she did it in webster hall like 20 years 15 years earlier i know we i know we had i i want to say it happened in webster hall i have to talk to her about this i i'm pretty sure it happened i if if the webster hall green rooms look like what i think they look like then i know that it happened there but it's like a weird way to say this but I know we had this conversation about about what it would look like performing at webster hall again as an adult we used to make we used to laugh and say it was like Amanda Lee Moore, but she, she went through that. She went through that phase too, by the way. Um, uh, we were always like, you're going to, you're going to be Amanda when you get old. Like, cause am I ever going to be Vince? Like it's the Vincent and Amanda show, you know, <laughs> it, it never was. It was always just a Mandy Moore show. And I'm, I was just happy to be a part of it. That's so cool. TV. And here you are. Like I knew her when, right. You knew oh, her. And when. She knew me when, and we, yes. and we get that story and it's, to see to see the people in america uh, just get your friend to see them like understand her and receive her and support her and um it's it's the cool it's the coolest feeling in the entire world it's also terribly scary and part of the reason why i was terrified to launch my own talent brand And, and 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 to be honest if it weren't for podcasting, I don't think that I, I would be uh, uh, I, like, I would never have a strategy to go on morning shows or talk shows or the Wendy Williams show or the Today Show and try to be an expert in sort of talking about segments. And I know I know that game and I know that system and I'm so happy to get to work with them. For me personally, that that wasn't going to be my path. Um, I got to make everyone else's content. I, uh, nothing that I own, nothing that anyone owns except for the network. 
And now I get to help people create content that they all own, that the networks don't own. And I'm happy to help people find success in that, whether that's winning awards as a podcaster, you know, some podcasters don't think they're like they they deserve awards or there's shame, shame, or maybe they don't know how to apply for awards. Maybe you think someone walks around handing out Grammys and Oscars <laughs> and Tonys, but like you got to pay, you got to pay the Academy, you got to pay the nomination fee. And then you got to write one hell of a story as to why you stand out and you got to, you know, thank you for your nomination. Thank you for your consideration. You know, that's yeah. a real, um, the credits thing is a big thing for me right now. I love helping people get credits credits. So if you're a podcaster, one of my favorite ways to build sustainable talent brands is, is on credits it, it, right now on IMDb podcasters can get credit. Um, and that's something that will affect your SEO. And, and I, I want to work with you a little bit after this podcast too, to make sure Yes. Um, so that we, we get you up and running on IMDb because it's a, it's a really cool tool and wildly the ability to upload that content and, and let the world know all of our hard work and stuff like that. It's, it's a great opportunity to stand out. It's, it's one of the best. And, and, then, and then sustainable talent brands for me, you know, like, look at Celine Dion. Even I just, I just got to see Elvis, the new movie Elvis. It's all about the residency for me, you know, the residency. So, so I have a residency on LinkedIn audio events every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. I invite people to come and join me where you can always find me usually Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on LinkedIn. And that, that's kind of my residency. I want people to know weekly. I want people, brands, press, whoever. I want the world to know where I'm at in case anyone needs me. And uh. this is exactly how I operated it at MTV. I said, look, these are the shows I'm working on. Am I going to ask? Am I going to ask for every single person? No, I'm going to tell you what I'm working on. If anything resonates, send them my way, you, you know, the, and I'm, and I take, I take recommendations very seriously. And, and I, I take my follow through seriously. And I say, thank you afterward. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of steps that I take to make sure that, um, that people who, who do connect me with their contacts know how, how much I respect them and those contacts, because, because not, none of them are fails and none of them are wins. All of them were just opportunities for networking. Like none of them didn't get cast. None of them did get cast. All of them were used to be just part of my network. And how can I keep bringing you more opportunities? And, and instead of trying to pitch stories and opportunities, I tried to pitch myself as a source. Yeah. I love opportunity. that. And that, I think that's where I go. That's where I like showing up with opportunity. I like showing up with like, here are the links that I use. Here are the affiliate platforms that I love. Here's how I'm making 5,000 a month on certain social platforms with by signing up on a marketing platform. So, and I put all of those links in something called my creator accelerator, which um, I make for free. If you're LGBTQIA plus, BIPOC, AAPI, a female, an educator, a student, or, or if you support us, <laughs> make that very clear. If you are an ally, to us. I want you to have access to these tools that, that I've spent a lot of time and money using and finessing and perfecting and um, getting results from. I love that. And that's so great that you went right into that because uh, one of the things I wanted to say is about LinkedIn and about what you say about this residency. It's like, it makes me think of that song, Welcome to My House, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, because it's, I go there and you give so much value. You and Judy Fox give so much value. And I love that you uh, put your hashtag as LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> like that is the funnest thing ever. Oh, thanks. So she inspired I, it. 
she inspired that. I love it. Love it. Love it. It's so great. But the value that you guys are giving in that one short hour is amazing. So I have gotten so much from that. And, you know, and even as we talked earlier, (gasps) yeah, yeah, all (laughs) of us, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're very fortunate. And, you know, that's what it's about, bringing great minds together, right? And sharing information. There's enough sun to shine on all of us, right? And we just need to help each other. And I love that. And so your um, free creator accelerator plus membership is at vpe.tv forward slash hub. So Um, if you didn't catch that, you just click the show notes as you're listening and it will take you right to all the places where you. you can go to find Vinny and drop right into his residency. Love it. Love it. Love it. Oh my gosh. So Aside from that, where's the best place for people to find you on social? Where do you want to send them? Uh, LinkedIn for me, come say hi. You know, I, I have this sort of tone. I'm listening to I'm listening to myself as we're talking here. <laughs> I really love. It sounds like I really love working with my friends. Um, I I do. I I really really do. I don't have to. And by the way, I have lots of friends that I don't agree with. <laughs> and don't understand why they think the way they think. So I'm not saying I have to surround myself with like-minded people to be really blunt and honest. I, I love a great child. I love learning ways that people love to create. I, I think it's, I think success is all in the alchemy. I think that, that the success of your project, the, how you create it is as important as who you're sharing it with. And that, that's what I mean by the alchemy. So I'm, I'm happy to learn all sides of creating, knowing that it's an extremely emotional process. And if I can help people, especially now that there are business goals connected to these creative assets that we're creating, if I can help people find success in attaining those business goals or those creative goals um, early in their career, I feel like I'm going to help them have a better experience creating. They're going to be in this industry longer. They're going to stick around longer. They're going to stay around. I'm going to have a chance to get to work with them maybe in a month, a week, a year, two years, you know, depending on, and I've just seen so many talented people in this T and when it was just TV and film, I've seen so many people, you know, have to give up their careers for bank for, for lots of reasons, emotional, financial, mental, you know, all of them. Sure. Um, And anything I can do now to, to see people, you know, have success, share success or, or, and by the way, and share grief, because like, that's my, sometimes just the show is sometimes when a a good show dies, I'm there for you, man. Like you need to have a funeral for it. And when we have, we don't have that Tuesday release or that Thursday release, emotional release anymore, you know? Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, and you wanna come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're gonna have experts there that are gonna be sharing their genius. It's gonna be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you wanna come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. 
be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. All right. Well, we are moving on. Oh my gosh. So, you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we are going to bring them fierce, fierce entrepreneurs. We are going to share all the good stuff. OMG, Vinny, you have done that so well today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We couldn't ask for any more than what you have already given, but we promise our listeners that we're going to we're going to spotlight your success, but we okay. also want to pull back the curtain. We want to share a little bit about your journey because right now people are thinking he's so lucky, right? He got to work at MTV. He got to work with Hannity. He got to be on Fox News. He this, this, and this. Nobody knows the price you paid for the oh. success and the lifestyle that you are enjoying today. And so right now we're going to pull back the curtain and we're going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh boy. I know here comes your vulnerability. Here we go. <laughs> Full authenticity, right? <laughs> so we're just going to do one story for each. So we're okay. going to start with the good. I always okay. say, tell me the good news. So let's start with the good or the great. Give me a story about what has that, that looked like for you along this journey to success. You know, um, that's, oh, I love this. Oh my gosh. This is a really cool question. Um, and I'm surprised at what came first to mind, by the way. Um, so this is like a, this is like a almost bad, but turned good story, but I have a good story. I have bad stories and horrible stories too. We'll plenty to share. <laughs> don't, don't you fret. Um, but I was told early in life by someone that I really cared a lot about that, um, I don't really talk about this a lot, but maybe yeah. I should, maybe I shouldn't be in media. Um, maybe my, vo maybe my voice and maybe my sexuality and maybe I wasn't talented enough. Maybe I didn't have the look. Um, so I, I was kind of told a lot of things and, and pretty much was like, you know, I think someone was trying to set me on a course. We were getting ready to, I was getting ready to go to college and basically picking my colleges and, 
And I kind of knew I wanted to go to Wagner College. Uh, it was an art, there, there was a theater school. I wanted to go for psychology. It was on Staten Island. Um, I, I, I'd done a lot to be um, uh, uh, in the theater department and in, in the theater community in Staten Island. So I felt like maybe I can be like a big fish in a small pond a little bit by going to a smaller school. Wagner College, I, I think I went to school in my class with like a, maybe 150, 200 kids. Uh, in my high school, I went to school with 1,200 kids in my class, oh not my in my gosh. entire school, but in my class. So I wanted like a smaller, a smaller um, academic experience because I, I, I got picked on and, and, and beat up and stuff like that in, in, in high school. So, so like I was a kid that was late to classes because um, – because if I was late, if I was late to school, then I couldn't get picked on before school. So like that was my way. I'd rather be late than picked on. So anyway, so this is the good story. I'm like, where are we going with this? And I didn't realize this until like literally maybe a year ago. Well, someone told me this and then I went out and it was scholarship time and I had to figure out how I was going to go to school. And long story short, I sang us the stars from Les Mis and I got a music scholarship to Wagner College and and there's a lot of scholarships that were given at school, but like performance-based ones, generally speaking, are pretty hard to come by. And it was a really solid scholarship that allowed me to go to that school um, in the first place. And the, I, I think about that. I, for years, I thought, oh, I was told that I didn't have talent. And then I went on to be in casting and I tried to prove it. And, and I, I forgot about that one moment where I said, oh, yeah, I can't do it. Well, I'm going to go get $60,000 worth of scholarships so that I can go to college. And for some reason that glossed over the story, but I, I like, I love this. And by the way, I wouldn't have told that story the way that I told it, especially because um, as you know, I guess I talked earlier, I went to landmark and I was like, I was too deep in my story to understand what was happening here. Sure. Um, but I love that. I loved that about what happened in that casting. And I think it was that specific casting or audition experience at Wagner College that solidified that I wanted to be in the room for future castings. And, and I was the only person freshman year, just sophomore year, junior, I was the only person asking, can I stay in the auditorium when everyone else auditions? I know, I know I'd like to be in it. And if you cast me, that's great. But really, I just want to see how everyone else auditions. Not if they're good or if I don't, I don't really care if everyone's good. I just want to see the way they present themselves. And that, that to me kind of really stood out. And that, that's a, that's a good story that I love um, that, that I didn't learn. I didn't tell that. I didn't know that story even existed until just sort of recently. That's so interesting. And, you know, that just reminds me to remind our listeners, like, quit listening to what people tell you. Yeah. Like, you don't like you didn't even remember that story until you said a year ago. How many years could that story have held you back or taken you in a different direction? Yeah. Because those messages replay in your mind. Yeah. Like, I th- that could I take someone was, out of their game. I was giving, and by the way, it's 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 the deep pandemic thoughts that got to sort of got me there. And I was like, you know, funny. I was told I, I didn't have talent, and for twenty five years, I went and proved it. And I've been on this quest ever. And I was a quest I'm on a quest. I wouldn't be on a quest for twenty five years. I know me. I'm on a quest for like mm, minute. A minute, <laughs> right? Uh, to maybe two minutes. So, so I, I, I thought to myself, I, I can't still be on this quest trying to prove it. I must have proven it to myself someplace that made me think that this 
form of belief in yourself is acceptable. How do I go to MTV and I'm the guy who's training VJs and I'm video host and, and jockey and, and, and host and celebrity. I'm the guy who's doing that. What did all I got was the scholarship that someone told me I probably wasn't going to get. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. Isn't That's that crazy? Cool. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> yes. Oh, I tell that story anytime I can. Yeah. All of our guests after we talk, yeah. they're like, oh, I love this part of the podcast because <laughs> it's almost like taking you back in that reflection as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. But now we have to talk about the bad. We'll save the ugly for last. But tell okay. us a story about the bad. Yeah, you know, um, I think the bad probably, so if there's more, if it gets worse than bad, I'll just stop at the bad for me comes from, is comes from disappointment. I would say the bad, the bad is disappointment. The bad is there are disappointing things that are going to happen in your career that when you stack them all up and if you're able to learn from them, they become learning experiences, but sometimes there's just a lot of disappointment, um, I had worked really hard on um, on creating a show with Nas and Khalees, like their their version of Newlyweds, and we'd done ten episodes and we shot it and we edited it and it was getting ready to air and MTV at the very last minute there was a big shift in in the staff at MTV and um, they they canceled our show um, and they were no longer going to air it and instead they were going to try um, uh, The Hills. The Hills uh, on MTV was was a show that we were going to try in that in that space that hadn't hadn't been done season one of The Hills, so it's just laced with laced with disappointment where you work so hard and there's just like there's so much you can control and so much you can't control. I, I almost wanted to be like an entertainment lawyer and I almost wanted to be a lawyer, but I didn't like the idea that that even if you're a great lawyer, you can still lose. I didn't I didn't like that idea. Um, at the same way, I didn't like being a talent manager because sooner or later, the talent and the manager always end up, it seems like in every movie I ever watch, I'm like, I would never want, why would I put myself in that line of work if I know that that moment, you know, is sort of coming, by the way, uh, that's just a coping mechanism. We could talk about that for another episode because there's, <laughs> that's basically like saying, why would I fall in love if I know, you know, so-and-so is going to, you know, pass, we're all going Yes. We're all going at some point, you know, or another. So um, it's some, some of it is inevitable and some of it, uh, some of that pain allows for deeper love, which, you know, you later learn in your life. But, but the, I, I think the, the bad part, you know, the, the bad part is the part that like is a slow sting, not a hard, sharp sting. That's like life jolting, but uh, a slow sting that, you know, uh, uh, is an ache. It's like arthritis kind of where you got to work through it. It's always going to exist. And how, how you manage and how you cope with it is going to really di dictate your experience in the industry. So, so for me, managing my expectations, you know, uh, um, unfortunately I'm, I can, I, I used to be, and I'm working on this, but I, I don't really celebrate my wins because I didn't like acknowledging my losses. I kind of liked, you know, kind of like, it's like 40% green space here yes. instead of like living in the, the Alps or living down below. And um, I think that that's important, especially working from home <laughs> for the sanity of like, you know, sharing energy and stuff like that. But I, I do miss those euphoric moments, you know, um, being on set or being with a crew or being with somebody when something happens 
Um, and I, I, you know, sometimes I virtually will produce something from my computer where I'm screaming and I'm clapping and, and Andrew's like, what's my boyfriend? He's like, what, what are you doing? What's going on in that room? I'm like, oh, you don't know. You don't know the change that we can make from this room. It's so <laughs> Wait, cool. It's so, my I, I won my first Emmy from this bedroom, by the way. And that's did, crazy to think did of. Did you? Oh my gosh. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thank you. But, that's but amazing. 25 Wait. years later, I'm pointing out that I, I won an Emmy from this guest bedroom, <laughs> yes. not from the studios or the networks that I've worked in or at or for right. years. But or with those big people either, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? Like it wasn't them. Like you really, that really puts things in perspective, right? As you yeah. talked earlier about like execution and getting into action and those things is that, you know, when you take all that other stuff away and it's just you and your yeah. work, like, boom, there's an Emmy, right? Yeah. Which is amazing. So amazing. Mm. So before we move on to ugly, I was just want to say that I love, love, love the video you did of mm. you opening the door and it was snowing. Uh. And you <laughs> That was the best. I still, I, I still watch that. We do not have time for this. <laughs> it is snowing and we do not have time no, for this. Ain't nobody got time. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest. funniest. Life, life is full of curveballs, by the way. Yes. Be ready. You know, right. Be ready. Yes. I love, and you know, that all goes back to this pre-purpose, right? Like yeah. the one that you dropped that line about, like, you know, why would you fall in love knowing it's going to end? People are going to die, whatever. Like you have to pre-purpose that, yeah, right? Pre -purpose like, it. Yeah. Like you like live in that moment, enjoy whatever time you have, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and live your best life. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that goes back to pre-purpose. Okay. Ugly. Give it to oh. us. Oh. <laughs> Ugly. Well, ugly. I'll say this actually. Here, here's ironic. Um, ugly is so my ugly story ends with getting this Emmy. By the way, I'll have you know that the Emmy was won for a, a series that um, I helped create with a, a guy named Brandon Adams, his his wife, um, and uh, and a couple of other executive producers and uh, powerful storytellers. The show follows a woman after rehab and is about the red flags that she may experience after rehab and also the things that we could be aware of um, after rehab. I, I felt like at a day, like there's like this like shark tank um, mentality of like, like even, even on A and E, you know, intervention is about like the intervention. And then the, the episode ends when they go to rehab and I guess my bad story is like I grew up in a house with um, with with addictive parents and I grew up in Al-Anon and Alateen and I grew up with the information that, you know, parents don't have all the, you know, don't always mean what they say and they don't have all the answers and they may think they do. And you can't trust, you know, everyone that you want to trust. And I kind of grew, grew up knowing some of that. I also grew up, you know, the oldest of four. Um, so my coping mechanism for that was to not really want anything so that I couldn't be dis as we know, as we know, disappointment is, so I didn't really want anything cause then I couldn't be disappointed. I could just basically want what like my sister or my brothers wanted and I can make that happen for them. And if, if that made them happy, then that would make me happy that I was able to make their dreams come true. And like, I, I, that, that in and of itself, hopefully, I don't want to go too deep into it, but hopefully that describes how I, my whole mentality in, in selflessness, to be honest, and, and helping other people um, be successful. I feel guilty 
oftentimes some people are really successful because it's a, it's a fun process for me. And I get, I feel like sometimes I get too much out of it. Um, and, and I, and that, that, that idea of getting too much is an under, is, um, is a red flag to me that says that, that I'm still doing that thing with myself where I make myself smaller to make other people bigger. And, and I, part of me for a long time in my late thirties, early forties, even like I made myself, I thought, Oh, maybe, uh, you know, in my twenties, I was so much bravado and I was kind of like, you know, thank God social media wasn't around. Cause I, uh, it was just like, I was the MTV guy and I get a you get a show and you get a show. And like, that was my energy. And, um, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> at all, by the way. Um, but just being able to be centered, to be consistently yourself and, and, and to not now. And I also don't fear that I'm going to get fired from, you know, a, from my job, B from clients that don't support me or my lifestyle, because I put me and my lifestyle out there so that that is part of the conversation from the get-go so that I can bring that into my projects because that's the way that I show up. That's, that's, the, right. that's how I'm an ally to, to, to the people who, who I find allyship with is in, is in those projects. Um, but, but it does come from um, many sad nights of not knowing what was going to happen next, not needing to know what happened next, just knowing how we were going to react to it. And, 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 and as the oldest sibling, what, what sort of privilege and power I had to be able to make certain things happen. And I think I learned that. I think I learned how to get what I want. I learned how to get what other people want. I learned, I learned, I learned how to make my ideas, your ideas so that they're more likely to happen. And that's like my favorite lesson learned in big fat Greek wedding, by the way, <laughs> it was like my favorite thing in Greek wedding. When she's like, we have to make it his idea and then it will happen. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That's how it works. This is how, you know, it's about, this, it's a discoverability. He has to discover the idea. He needs to be the hero in his version of the story, not because he prefers to be the hero, but because in his version of the story, heroes win. So if he's not the hero and he didn't discover you, he's not set up to win. And I now understand that that's how that thought process, some people's thought process comes into play. So I'll, I'll lean, I lean into that. And if you tell me, you know, I think of like, you know, the dad who's, who's at the beach with the, the kids and he's like throwing special seat shells on the, on the ground. Oh, look, there's a shell over there. Oh, look, and they run over and like, look, we found the special one. And he's secretly been putting it, you know, in front of them, just, just wherever they're looking and, and he doesn't take credit for it, but the pride and watching, you know, your daughter, your son, your child, you know, discover, find something, um, feel valuable and, that, and, and then make me cry and then want to <laughs> share it with me. Yeah. So that I help you discover this. And then this is the, this is what I do in talent development. I help you discover this. And then <laughs> you want to share this special skill set with me. Okay. That sounds awesome. That's like, yeah. sign me up. Like, right. Win, yes. win. Right. Audience of one <laughs> audience. I go from an audience of one to being the first in the audience. I'm very happy at that spot. Very happy. You I never love forget it. your first. You never forget never. your first. And I was happy. That, that's what I got to do at MTV that, um, that where timing was on my side because I got to be, I got to be the first person who had this conversation with a lot of people that, that it's not the only conversation they've ever had for sure. Um, but it, it, hopefully it was the first and, um, 
hopefully it was, you know, let's take the wedding dress. It's like, the, you always like your first, right? And then you try all these other ones out. Then eventually you come back. <laughs> Get the first, the first one. So it's like, so is, this is the time. This is, this is me literally processing timing. So, you know, this is me thinking like, if it didn't happen now, that's okay. It's going to happen. And like, just wait for it. Just, just don't wait. Just wait. It's going to, it's happening. It's happening. It's coming. Lots, lots of stuff are coming. So I, I, I believe in that. I believe in the law of abundance. I believe in, in, in helping me be more discoverable because I believe in the law of abundance. So I know a lot is coming to me. So I want the stuff that's coming to me to see what I'd like to prioritize, to be really honest. That, that's why I put some structure to um, my brand and, and why I had to show up in certain places so that I, I can, you know, prioritize my energy and make an impact the way that I want to make an impact. So I, I can inspire and impact and ignite conversations that um, are meaningful to me. Mm, I love it. This has been such a great conversation. I know, oh I my gosh. I'm like, having like, I'm like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> Remember that on the Friends episode? Yeah, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And Rachel, she's the queen, right? The queen. Oh, she hung up. Yeah, that's, oh, that's it. Don't so hang up. No, <laughs> well, this has been amazing. And I'm going to put you on the hot seat for just a couple of quick questions All before right. we say goodbye. Uh, these are just fun. So okay. you mentioned singing a song and getting a $60,000 scholarship. Oh my <laughs> gosh. So what is your favorite Broadway show? Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So this is, um, <laughs> I, I want to say Pippin was the first show that came to mind. It's the strangest show ever, but it's like a, a fun one to be in the ensemble for. Godspell. I love ensemble shows. Um, I'm like, I'm the guy in the ensemble. Um, I loved Damn Yankees. Um, which was a fun, Dan Yankee's Godspell. There aren't many shows where there's a, a large ensemble of men in those shows. So the, those are pretty unique shows from a casting perspective um, that I've, I've loved. That. And I actually got to be in um, my big fat gay Italian wedding off Broadway. So that was a fun experience. Are you kidding? Yeah, oh my gosh. We need bit. to have another episode. We have one. so much to talk Anthony, about. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one. I, I, like, I like experiencing things with the people that I work with so I can understand a, l- a little bit more about what they're going through, but also like, I'm the, I feel like I'm a, I'm a guy. I say this all the time. I'm a good dude from Staten Island. I didn't know. I didn't ever think I would get off the Island, let alone get to touch, you know, the white house or touch the, just be there, just be in the room. Just so appreciative to be in the room. But oh my I gosh. Love, I love me some good old fashioned, um, some some good old fashioned musicals, though. That's, that's uh, love it. All right. What's your favorite movie of all time? Oh my gosh. One. Uh, um, if I could watch a movie in perpetuity over and over again, it would be um oh my God. uh da, 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 Swiss Family Robinson. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. I I was going to say Dark Crystal or something Jim Jim Henson related, but Swiss Family Robinson was cool because it was a family and they're they're they worked together and they had these tools and there were it was just like I thought I thought it was magical and I could probably watch that movie over and over again. Oh my gosh, that's such a weird dancer. I'm so (laughs) embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. No, stop. Like my TV icons are like Jerry Lewis and Rosie O'Donnell. Like my trust me, I'm like. Man, how I got to where I got to, I don't know, but I appreciate the journey. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fun. Okay, who's your favorite band? Um, I love this band Capital Cities um, right now, Dawes. 
I love um, I, I love what Mandy Moore is putting out. Sort of this cool folk folk singer songwriter, a little upbeat, positive storytelling um, with lyrics that I can understand. I have a, I have this weird thing where I I hear the melodies louder than words, so I hear the the sound more than the actual like word itself. And then sometimes, and I'm and I'm happy to make up the word to get there. You know, like, I'm that guy in yeah, karaoke too. and vinyoki who's like, wait, you thought, what did you think they said? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't. I don't even know what the song's about. I just know it goes. Na, 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 na. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so like that, too. Oh, my gosh. OK. Uh, favorite TV series. Uh, my favorite TV series. Um, this is a hard one. You one. know, I was going to. Oh, just one. Just one. Can and it, uh, can it be mine? Yes, of <laughs> oh, course. Say, I, mean, I, I would like to put. Uh, oh no, that's self-serving. Let's say um, a show that I watch. Uh, you brought it up, Friends. I could uh, watch Friends. Friends, Friends. To me, uh, what what a, what a masterful masterful lesson in storytelling. Um, sustainable storytelling, coming up with like uh, episode arcs and structures that are the way the stories are told, and uh, understanding. Um, the uh, story mechanisms and machines between friends and, and, and how to pull stories from that. I think friends is, is one of those, one of those TV series that I can watch over and over again, for sure. I do. I watch it every day, like at least an episode a day. Yes. It's like the last thing we watch at the end of the night, we watch like a 30 minute refresh. I do too. 11 o'clock at night. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, just, 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 that's it for the day. Right. Mm -hmm. Just one, one fun Phoebe, two hours right? of housewives and two hours of walking dead and then we, yes. we need like one what's that next netflix show cut the cake is it yeah. cake uh, I don't one know. episode of is it cake? yeah is it cake it's hysterical they these cakes they look like you know like a water bottle and he goes is oh. it a cake or is it a water bottle and if it's cake and he takes a knife and he cuts it and oh my like, gosh Ooh, it's it got picked up for season two by the way it's a big deal wow <laughs> i better get on the boat here <laughs> you'll okay. love it by the way you will love it. it's a silly show i'm excited it's really all about process and the fun part about it is like um what we're all in on too okay last one okay. what is your favorite vacation destination oh greece Oh, yeah, my I'm friends Mykonos. are there right now. Some of my friends are there. Bear, 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 bear. Except I'm not like party Mykonos. I'm like, y'all, all my friends go to party Mykonos. And I'll hang up at home by a pool and I'll just wait. I'll have the cucumbers and the, the chopped peppers ready for y'all when you come back. Yeah, Greece, Greece to me is one of those beautiful places where I felt like, well, first off, I was brought up, I was told I was Italian and I took 23 and me and turned out we're a little bit more Greek than we were told, but also I went to Italy and like, I'm six foot three and I didn't feel like there was a lot of six foot three people walking around in Italy. Like there's the guys are five, five, the women are six, nine, the guys are not six, three, no one's But I went to Greece and I was like, everyone here looks like my family. The six foot three guy over there looks like my grandma. Like, this is where we're from. This is <laughs> it just look, and it's just magical. And I grew up watching Hercules and like all those, like, I don't know, mystical kind of shows. I think Greece is like a magical, it, it just is a magical, magical place that is, uh, and there are hundreds, if not thousands of islands you can go to that just, it's not, the, it's never the same place, except for Mykonos, where you go to Mykonos and then you run into people from New York and LA. <laughs> 
there you go. <laughs> There's always fun. There's always that fun. sums it up, right? Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for staying true to your invincible uh, trait oh, yes. of vulnerability. OMG, Vinny, honestly. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe I got to go work on my, my favorite TV shows. And my favorite, like, I'm just too honest with this stuff. Oh, you're so <laughs> Guilty funny. Pleasures. <laughs> That's awesome. It. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but you heard it from Vinny today. And there are so many helpers out there. Go out there. Don't be afraid to ask. Just extend your hand and be a helper and ask for help. You deserve it. Get back up, girl. Get back up. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you can do it. Just get back up. Tell them, Vinny. To do it. Do it before someone else does it for you because they're not going to do it your way. No one walks like you. No one talks like you. No one's gone through what you've gone through. No one can replace the energy that you can create in those opportunities. And please show up. And if there's anything I can do, see, this is why I stopped doing this on TV. I stopped bringing women into TV so I can stop mansplaining their lives so that I can empower them to be able to show up. And by the way, I'm still helping people get on, on TV and I'm happy to do that, but like you'll show up empowered and, and you will be successful because of yourself, not successful in spite of yourself. And that's the, what we're really doing here is, is changing the pivot. So please get up and participate and stand up and stand out and, and stand proud. Be, you know, that's my, that's my two cents. I love it. Get back up. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.